Support for this podcast comes from Kinney Drugs, celebrating 120 years of providing medications, advice, and quality healthcare products and services. Kinney pharmacists administer all CDC-recommended vaccines to those age 18 and older, including flu, HPV, Tdap, MMR, chickenpox, and hepatitis A and B. They also administer vaccines indicated for older adults, including shingles for age 50 plus, RSV for age 60 plus, and pneumonia for age 65 plus. Employee-owned and locally committed since 1903. Learn more at kinneydrugs.com. And I can tell you, it's not easy to be on the receiving end of people saying that I'm responsible for genocide or I'm responsible for this humanitarian catastrophe. I am making the steps I think need to be make, made right now to make this situation better. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. When Becca Ballant ran for Congress last year, she spoke about how her family's history as Jews who survived the Holocaust motivated her to heal divisions. Now, Ballant has been thrust into the raging debate about how to respond to the horrific attack on Israel by the Palestinian group Hamas and Israel's intense bombardment of Gaza. On October 7th, Hamas launched a surprise attack on Israel, killing more than 1,400 Israelis, abducting over 200 hostages, and injuring more than 5,400 people, most of them civilians. In response, Israel has mounted a fierce assault on the Gaza Strip. As of Tuesday, nearly 6,000 Palestinians had been killed and over 16,000 injured, according to the Gaza Health Ministry. Ballant recently joined every Democratic Jewish member of Congress and 128 other Democrats in a statement that endorsed Israel's right to defend itself while insisting, quote, that all possible steps be taken to ensure the safety of civilians and noncombatants in the Strip. The ripple effects of the Hamas attack and its aftermath are being felt around the world and throughout Vermont. Rallies have been held in Burlington, led by Jewish congregations, and another calling for Palestinian solidarity. Jewish Vermonters held a prayer service on the rain-swept steps of the Vermont State House last Friday and read the Mourner's Kaddish, the traditional prayer for the dead, to, quote, honor the loss of both Israeli and Palestinian life, according to organizers. Eighteen Democratic members of Congress have signed a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza and Israel. Ballant has not endorsed the ceasefire resolution. On this week's Vermont Conversation, I spoke with Representative Becca Ballant about the situation in Israel and Gaza. I began by asking her what she is calling for. So what I have said um, is that this crisis requires uh, a very strong humanitarian response. And we have to make sure that we are engaged with Israel and making sure they're doing everything that they can to ensure that there's food and water 
shelter and fuel and, and access to medicine within, within Gaza. I've also said that Israel has a right to respond to the terrorist threat on its borders. The, the more we hear about the kind of uh, brutal massacre that happened, the more uh, clear to me it is that Hamas is not a, a legitimate government. It is a, it's a terrorist organization. And we need to make sure that we are um, constantly demanding that that Israel is uh, me meeting the needs as much as it can in this in this situation of the civilians on the ground. And on the same token, we also need to be pressuring our partners in the Middle East to demand that Hamas immediately release all of the hostages. They have broken international law. They need to release the hostages. You signed on to a letter um, with other Jewish members of the House uh, this week that uh, says to uh, that, quote, we're grateful uh, for President Biden's clear statements regarding the fundamental importance of ensuring that humanitarian needs of the civilian population of Gaza are met and that all possible steps are being taken to ensure the safety of civilians and noncombatants in the Gaza Strip. Um, what leads you to think that that is happening the toll there the rising toll in addition to the you know some nearly 6000 people killed there's over 16000 others injured and of course we're all seeing these images of just massive destruction of the cities there what leads you to think that there is any restraint uh, being exercised well i want to be clear that this is um, a terrible situation. You have terrorists who have been in charge in the Gaza Strip since 2006. There hasn't been an election since then. They are also uh, essentially holding their own people hostage. They are making it impossible um, for the situation on the ground to be anything except dire. So. It is a horrible situation, David. You have innocent people who unfortunately are being used as pawns, pawns by uh, Hamas. And it is clear that how is your response to the Hamas attacks um, is critically important, not just for this moment, but for ongoing hopes in the Middle East. I, I haven't given up hope for a two-state solution. I think that's what the only way that we can get out of this. And so it's it's clear to me that yes, the humanitarian situation is dire. We need to be um, pressing um, our, our counterparts in Israel to demand that they are being uh, careful in the way that they are going after the terrorists at their border. Um, but it is we are in a horrible fog of war right now. And I can tell you, David, that the the information that that we get on the ground in real time is often conflicting. And what we do know is there's a humanitarian crisis right now. That's what we know. And we need to put our our focus and energy into to meeting that. You talk about going after the terrorists, and, and that is certainly um, part of what Israel is doing. But there is a degree the civilian casualties, how is this not collective punishment for the terrorism of October 7th? Look, Israel has to protect innocent lives. That has to be uh, part of 
uh, the response. But the, I shouldn't say but, it's a yes and. And also, Hamas could end this immediately by releasing all of the, um, the hostages and denouncing their position, which is that Israel should be wiped off the face of the earth and all Israelis should be slaughtered. I mean, that is basically their position. And so it is any loss of life, any civilian loss of life is absolutely tragic. And all of us in Congress are working very hard with the Biden administration to, to, push, to push Israel to follow all uh, humanitarian and international laws related to this conflict, but it it is not, um, you know, this is this is not easy. And I want to be clear that I, Senator Welch, Senator Sanders, and I have all called on Israel to uh, respond to Hamas's attacks while following international law and prioritizing the protection of innocent Palestinians. On Friday, I covered in Montpelier at the State House uh, a public prayer service of reading the Mortars Kaddish that was sponsored by the group If Not Now, a, a Jewish peace group. One of the things being called for at that vigil was an immediate ceasefire. And of course, there has been a House resolution calling for a ceasefire signed by 18 of your Democratic colleagues, uh, including um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib. You have not signed on to that. Why? If I thought, David, that signing on to that resolution would move us forward to resolution, I would. I sit in on briefings, I do my homework, I have sat in on classified briefings and briefings with um, partners at the White House, people on the ground in Gaza, as well as the families of um, hostages and folks who were murdered in Israel. I do my homework and that's what Vermonters want me to do. And there is no easy answer here. And I will reiterate, if I thought that calling for that right now would help this situation, would help the hostages, would help the intricacies on the ground, I would do it. So I'm holding a lot of information and I'm doing my level best in this moment to make the right political decision to ensure um, ongoing peace and security in the region, which is what I want and have always wanted. And I know that this is a time in politics where there is no time for nuance or complexity. And it's very difficult to stand in that moment. But I am not someone who looks for easy answers or for sound bites. And I can tell you, it's not easy to be on the receiving end of people saying that I'm responsible for genocide or I'm responsible for this humanitarian catastrophe. I am making the steps I think need to be make, made right now to make this situation better. And that is why I haven't signed on.
can you imagine your position evolving as this proceeds? If we can, the conditions on the ground, David, are not just changing by the day, they're changing by the hour. And so, people who have known me as an elected official in the Senate in Vermont for years know that I'm always someone who is integrating new information based on the conditions as they're changing. So, absolutely. You, in the course of your campaign, um, many Vermonters heard you talk about your experience, your family's experience in the Holocaust as someone who's Jewish, how that has shaped you. And I wonder, how is that experience informing your decisions now? What's informing my decisions right now? So there are, there are the decisions, David, and then there are the emotions and the psychological and emotional toll that this is having on me and other members of Congress. But the decisions that I'm making are not based on emotions. The decisions that I'm making are based on the information that we are getting in briefings about the complex situation. That being said, is it taking an emotional toll on me who feel um, a sense of um, a sense of history. Uh, am I completely torn apart by the rise of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia right now? You bet. Um, another piece that, like, to to keep this like really personal, uh, Rashida Talib, who is the only member of Congress who is Palestinian, she is a dear friend. We talk. We walk, we text, we we sit in meetings together, we hug each other, we hold each other, we know how difficult this is. We remain in communication with each other. And so you have to hold the, the emotion and the psychological toll and you need to continue to make um, connection with people, um, even if you don't agree on you know, the next steps as it were. But of course, uh, my family's Holocaust history weighs on me. Of course, the, the anti-Semitism and the Islamophobia weighs on me, but it doesn't impact the decision-making that I do because Vermonters want me to be doing my homework and that's what I'm doing. I want to go back to that idea of your connection to Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib you both have personal experience of yeah. these horrific acts of uh you know mass slaughter genocide what have you yes what leads what do you think leads you both to come to different co conclusions at the current moment about the correct next step her calling for ceasefire you calling for restraint We are informed not only by uh, the, the briefings that we get, the experiences we have, we're also informed by um, the conversation and needs um, of our constituents. And we, we also represent different constituencies. Uh, she represents uh, a section of Detroit. And so 
we often, as members of Congress, not just uh, for me and, and Rashida, but we are essentially representations of, of our, our voters, our constituents, and what they would like us um, to do and say and what actions to take. And so we understand that also about, about each other. And this horrible situation in the Middle East has been going on for many, many years. And there is no one in Congress right now, I don't care what, you know, where exactly you are on the political spectrum, there is nobody in Congress right now that can fully take in the depth and breadth of the history and all of the complexities. And we're just doing our level best day in and day out while juggling all the other responsibilities that we have in Congress. You initially, in response to the attacks, wrote about them being uh, unprovoked, and there was a lot of pushback um, on your social media that I read, um, saying that you were failing, as horrific as these attacks were, uh, you were failing to acknowledge the 75 years of occupation in Gaza, in the West Bank, that had led to this terrible moment. I wonder if, uh, how do you respond to people who said, this is many things, it's horrible, um, it's unjustified, mm -hmm. but it's not unprovoked? I would say this, several things. One is, being a politician and a leader today, as compared to 20 years ago, is very challenging. We're always walking on a tightrope and a high wire of what you put out and when. And what I would hope for people looking at statements that, that I release or speeches that I give, that they understand that it is part of a much broader uh, perspective that I put forward. And so are there times when we make statements or tweets uh, that are incomplete or don't seem to fully address um, you know, the moment, I bet so, because I am, I am fallible and I am human as is everybody on my team. But I think anyone looking at the totality of what I've said over the last few weeks would understand that I, I fully accept that this is um, incredibly com complicated and that uh, there are so many moments in the last 75 years that uh, Palestinians and Israelis have felt betrayed by each other. And there is nothing that I can put in a tweet of, you know, a certain number of sound bites uh, to, to convey that um, accurately. So people who feel like um, it was not exactly as I should say it, I always take feedback. I always take, you know, criticism. That's, you know, an opportunity for me to reflect on how to get it better. Um, but it is, this is the struggle. I mean, and this is something that I want to say to, to Vermonters um, across the board on any topic, which is we are in a 
press and social media environment that does not allow us any time or space to think carefully for hours before we're expected to put something out. And that means there are gonna be times when I don't say it exactly right. Well, but me... I want people to understand, David, that I'm always seeking the, a fuller understanding of the picture. Let me ask you a question that has certainly been swirling among circles of progressive Jews, which is how alone many of them feel in this moment, um, how perhaps allies who they've worked with in the past did not fully grasp your position, you know, uh, where this leaves you. I wonder, is that something that you feel? Unquestionably. And so we have a lot of conversations that happen in in Congress that happen over signal because you know our offices are all over the complex. We're not always in the same place together. But there are a lot of conversations happening on signal between members of Congress who feel as I do, as folks who are who are progressive, who are of, of Jewish descent, who don't feel like we have a place right now in the progressive movement and trying to figure out um, a way forward. And we've all heard a lot of really, um, I would say, unhelpful things in terms of the rhetoric because we are trying to hold the experience of um, all of the innocent civilians in this in this conflict, and what has been so alarming, as I, I have said it, this will be my third time around, but I want people to understand the growing anti-Semitism and Islamophobia in this country should alarm us all. The things that we are are hearing and are on the receiving end. Uh, it, it is not um, it is not something that makes me feel particularly safe right now. Can you say a little more about that, what you're receiving, what you're hearing, what is directed at you that has, you, as you said, you've raised it three times, so I don't want to miss the cue here. What do you want people to know? Um, that you're experiencing and hearing? So for my own sanity, I don't want to get in, into the details of this, but I want to un, I want people to understand why I get so um, alarmed about the really um, sharp rhetoric. There was a six-year-old who was murdered because of this conflict because you know a, a muslim little boy and his mother attacked because of the increasing rhetoric and the um the dehumanizing the demonizing and and that kind of 
um, fanning the flames of, of fear mongering, whether it's towards the Muslim community or the Jewish community is incredibly dangerous. And it is not going to help us as members of Congress navigate this moment. So when my, when a friend of mine, uh, Jan Schakowsky, who is a progressive Jewish member, has people screaming at her that she's responsible for what they see as a genocide in Gaza is really misguided because Jan has been a huge, huge champion for Palestinian rights and for, for peace. And so it is, is now you're either with us or you're against us. There's no room for us doing very careful work right now, which is what is required. So, so let me let me give you another example, David, of why this upsets me so much. Everyone thought that the IDF would invade Gaza immediately in the in the days after that horrific terrorist attack. And so I would like people to step back and think, why is it? Why has that not happened? Well, that's because you have a president right now, President Biden, who is leading on doing what, what is needed in this moment, which is incredible uh, diplomatic work to explain what the consequences would be of that invasion in the short term, in terms of civilian lives, but also in the long term, in terms of having a two-state solution. And so we have to give the room for the U.S. to pull together partners, not just Israel, but Jordan and Egypt. It's not something that will be solved simply um, just by the United States, or even by the United States Congress. So we have this balancing act to do in the region to bring many partners to the table. And so I know I've, I've gone a little bit away from, from your question, but I do see it as connected. And I know people are really struggling in Vermont with this issue right now. I run into folks in person, I get emails and my office gets a lot of phone calls. And what I want people to know is every single day, we are using the information that we have on the ground here in DC from the briefings that we get, that's same for Senator Sanders and Senator Welts. And we're making the best decision for Vermonters and for our country based on the information that we have. So if you want to call me, uh, a, you know, a genocidal, uh, you know, person, you have the right to do that. But what I want you to understand is that is not going to change the way that I'm doing my work. I'm still going to show up every single day to try to get to the best answer in this moment. Congresswoman Becca Ballant, I want to thank you for joining us once again on the Vermont Conversation. Thank you, David. <laughs>